1: Greg Kelly, on the Red Apple
0: Podcast Network. Well, we have a special guest today. His name is Ed Hagem, and uh, he is a superstar on Wall Street, made a fortune, all right, worked for some of the big guys, E.F. Hutton, Lehman, Hump, uh, Lehman Brothers, uh, became a CEO of uh, various firms, including Furman Seltz, but way back when, when he was a way little tyke, he was an orphan, he was bouncing around from orphanage to orphanage and foster home to foster home. And how um, it's a really, really tough way to start life, okay? Um, but he was determined. He got himself a great education. He served his country in the United States Navy and uh, went on to have an amazing career in finance and uh, raised an awesome family, three grown children, eight grandchildren. And now he's, well, he's giving back. He's writing down everything he knows. This is his second book. It's called The Island of the 4 Ps, a modern fable about preparing for your future by Ed Hagem. And Ed Hagem, welcome to the show. How are you? Greg, I'm great. Good, thanks for having me. You bet, you bet. So, uh yikes, orphanage. You started off in an orphanage. Tell us a little bit about uh that kind of life and 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 forgive me, but you're 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 this 80 something at this point, so this is uh
1: hey, a, as, a, as a young fellow, as a 6 year old says six-and-three-quarters I'm eighty-six and 3 quarters
0: <laughs> Well, I'm guessing that <laughs> orphanages when you were a kid weren't exactly uh, state-of-the-art facilities. So what was that like? No,
1: they they weren't fun places. And they, You know, you go back and you forget what an orphanage was in the, in the 40s and 50s. It was, it was a different kind of place. There was a uh, you know, rites of passage and everything else. But but it was better than some of the, the foster homes I was in. So it, it worked out pretty well. And all my life, it seemed to get a little bit better going from foster homes to orphanages. Was a, actually a good situation
0: my goodness but gracious it started
1: out with mom and dad not getting along you know and, and uh, getting divorced and my father kidnapping me and then realizing he didn't know what to do with a three-year-old because he was a an, a radio operator on a merchant ship so thereafter, i ended up in five foster homes and while i lived in the uh <clears throat> the yeah, ymca on 34th street and then the hotel in coney Island, and a couple of orphanages but you know it's, it's america and i was very lucky Go on to college, and as you say, serve in the service, and have a wonderful career. And, and now I have a wonderful family. I'm a very lucky guy.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Well, do me a favor though. When you're when you're bouncing around from school, uh, from orphanage to foster family, it's got to be tough to uh, to excel in school. I mean, I, I, how do you how did you pull that off?
1: Well, in, in my early grades, I read one of my report cards, and it said, "He seems like a bright boy, but he's so mischievous, we can't tell." So for my early life, I I I was angry and and rejected everything. But in my in my uh, sophomore, freshman, sophomore year in high school, I saw the answer, which was uh, private education. I saw that I went to a high school where 80 percent of the kids went to private colleges, and I said that's my ticket. So I put my head down and and you did what they did. I worked hard. I was an athlete and loved math and science, and luckily got through the whole thing. But that was it. And there were heroes in those days. And in the movies on Saturday afternoon, you went there, and the people in the movies, you know, John Waynes of the world, and they, uh, Jimmy Stewart, they, they set up they set up sort of hero. You know, you could say they, they did well. Also, the Catholic Church did a good job for me. The nuns taught you the golden rule and a lot of other rules. And if you didn't abide uh, by, by the rules, you got the golden ruler. So <laughs> I had some good rules. And my father, although he abandoned me, would always send me messages about, you know, cloniness and extra godliness. You've got to be a good kid. Work hard. He sent those messages. He wasn't there, but his messages. So those three things sort of gave me the support that I needed. And, of course, uh, you can never, 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 never never degrade America because America allows people like me to do what I did.
0: Wow. All right. Look, I want to get to the book in a moment. But first, you start off in in, in corporate America. I would imagine it was a, an entry-level type position of some kind,
1: Right. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. What was your first job? Well,
1: I was job? an engineer for a while. I was working in plastics before Russner Hoffman. I I spent some time working in polyethylene and polypropylene. Then went on to business school, and then had your entry job into the financial industry.
0: So you go to the very, very top, and you know a lot of people enter, and uh, but most people obviously don't make it to the top. If there's one thing that you did, or many things, but what what was different about you? I mean, how do how did you make it to the top?
1: I think that it sounds too simple, but continue to ask yourself what's next so you don't get stuck. In other words, let me give you a simple example. When I was at EF Hutton, they were a big retail firm, and I was convinced the next step in in, the securities business was institutional. There would be a shift between the retail business and institutional business. Lehman Brothers wanted to be in the institutional business, so I left Hutton even though I loved the management there and I had a great job, to go to Lehman Brothers because they were going into the institutional business. They were building a large trading desk to handle large orders, and so I went there. It wasn't the greatest place in the world, but they were going in the right direction. And, of course, later on when I ran my own firm, Firm and Sell, when I was the CEO and chairman, I basically asked my people every year, what's next? What are we going to do different? What are we going to do unique to, to keep our momentum going? Even in running the golf course, which I'm involved with, you know, I always ask you know, my partners on the board, "What are we going to do for our members next year? What's next?" Sounds corny, but really, that's what's kept made made my career. Looking back at it, and by the way, the book helped me find that out.
0: I love it. All right, what's next? What is next? Uh, things are evolving. You gotta, you gotta change. You gotta adapt. You gotta uh, see where things are moving. All right, the island of the four P's. Uh... I'm gonna see. Let's see here. What, what, uh, the four P's? Let me see if I. Uh, I don't want to give it all away, but uh, what,
1: are the, what are the four P's?
0: What are the four P's?
1: Passions, principles, partners, and plans. Find your passions. Overused word, but it's your talents, your interests and in so forth, and it's contextual. When you, you know, when when you start to exercise it, find your principles, the rules you can live by. Find the partners. I have found that I'm only as good as the people I surround myself with. And using these three Ps, write down your plans. So even though there's turns in the road, the turns in the road won't be the end of the road because you've got a plan. Young people ask me, give me one idea. And I say, write down where you want to go and how you think you might get there. And the book basically is about a young man who tries to answer these questions. Because in the book, there's no right and wrong. All of us are unique. Each person's got to answer these questions for himself because we're all different.
0: Well, let me ask you this. You grew up in the orphanage. You were around the nuns and they taught you the golden rule and, uh, the Catholic Church. And, um, I would imagine, you know, your, your, your principles and passions, were they influenced by faith? I mean, for me, you know, look, I mean, or for a lot of people, you know, their passions and principles, especially principles, vary wildly from person to person. And, you know, there are some places or there is a place we can go to get some great principles. Uh, the Bible, but do me a favor. Tell me a little bit more about that. I don't know. I mean, are we are we capable of coming up with our own principles uh, when they've been laid um, down by the
1: big guy? Well, the big guys laid them down. I mean, I think the Catholic Church, and I I wasn't a Catholic, but I was in the Catholic system for five years, and I learned, you know, the Golden Rule, do unto others. I learned the Ten Commandments. I learned the the shalls and shall nots. And as a young person, that was embedded in me. Now, later on, some of those got modified and changed a bit as I went through life. But I continued to add principles. I mean, simple business principles for me, like, let me give you one principle I learned early in my life. You can do almost anything if you don't care who gets the credit. I wrote that principle down. I put it on my board, and it helped me. In fact, I went one step further as I got older. I started to deflect credit. That's one of my principles. Now, one of my principles on Wall Street was to live happiest to it's hidden. In other words, don't go into the press, don't go on television. But when you're selling books like I am or trying to get people to read your books, you've got to abandon that principle. You get a new principle, which is obviously try to tell your story. So it's principles you click through on your entire life. And so you start, though, you've got to start with the ones, as you said, they're founded, you know, like the golden rule that can get you through most of the So you can also figure the lines you won't cross, things you won't do. And I must say, in my life, I start early recognizing certain things I would never do and again the Catholic Church helped there and people surrounding me I had mentors that said here's 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 right and wrong you make that you sort of embed that in your system you'll know, come out okay
0: what but uh can not you easy I, I, it's all fascinating and again the the, the book here we got to get it the island of the four Ps uh a modern fable about preparing for your future I've heard that before and this is it's a hard one for me to get my head around. Uh, you can accomplish anything you want if you're not afraid of who gets the credit or if you're allowed to let somebody else get the credit. Um, yeah. Can you give me an example of that? How, do, how does that actually work?
1: Well, you know, if you try it sometime, have some fun. Somebody says to you, hey, Greg, you did a great job. Then say, no, you know, I did, but Rich, you know, my, my tech guy, if I didn't have him, I wouldn't have it done. What happens right away is you feel pretty good. The person who just asked you the question or said you did that feels good, and when Rich finds out, he feels good. And so your whole system gets raised. All right, but that's – People that... also recognize – that's an interesting phenomenon as far as I was concerned. you just one principle, but that that worked for me.
0: Okay, so sharing the
1: credit, sharing the credit. but uh... Sharing the credit, yeah. But, by the way, you never do anything alone in today's world, given the requirements of technology, as you know and I know. And I obviously couldn't do anything without my wife, that's for sure. I mean, she made she makes half the decisions at least. <laughs> huh.
0: All right, and, and I'm looking here. Wait a second. F- Fifty-seven years you've been married. Fifty-seven years. Yep. Yeah. Wow. All right. So you could write a book about marriage. Uh, well, what's the key to a good marriage?
1: Uh, someone said this before I did, but it's my it's my favorite expression. Uh, the best marriage is a marriage of two forgivers.
0: <laughs> the best marriage is the marriage of two forgivers. All right. Yeah, let's face well, it. It seems like...
1: A marriage, marriage has four... I had my son ask me to marry my... My son No, son-in-law ask me to marry my daughter. I gave him four words. I gave him love. You have to love my daughter. That's an emotional experience. You've got to be committed to her. That's an intellectual experience. The third thing is you got to be willing to compromise. And then second of all, and last of all, one of the most important things in marriage is being able to point in life to sacrifice. And that's what some people were not willing to do. All right.
0: Hey, one more Those question. Four words... I love it. I love it. One more question. Uh wait before those four words, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. First of all, love, which is emotional. Nothing to do with anything except you feel it. Commitment, that's an intellectual experience. The third word is compromise, you know when you come together for decisions. And then there's sacrifice, doing something you really don't want to do. Like your your wife gets a great job in Chicago. Yeah. You don't want to go to Chicago, but she's the breadwinner. You go to Chicago in today's world. All right, good I
0: needed to hear that again, and uh, I'm glad we got that out there because my next question is a little bit self indulgent or whatever. But I look, you made many, 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 many millions of dollars when you first started to really make it financially. Um, how did you indulge yourself? Was there some you know something you really wanted to buy a fancy car, a watch? Was there was there some item you treated yourself to?
1: Yes, I was very lucky. I didn't have a home. Never had a home, and never had a home, you know, until I well, I was I didn't have a home until I was I don't know almost 30 years old. So I basically, I basically we have nice homes, and it's very lucky because real estate in America has been a good place to be. So when I, when I was sold my company the first time, and I got some real money, you know, it wasn't a lot of money, it was real money. In 1987, I went around and bought places that I might someday want to live. Places like Vale, Colorado, Oceane, Florida nantucket i bought little positions like a, a lot or a condominium and so forth that was, that was my indulgence not a big car person not a boat person but living having a home was very special to me and you know i just said something well at one point in my life i had no homes and at one point in my life i had five homes
0: <laughs> well done well done
1: too loud I'm only too loud <laughs>
0: uh, ed Hagem, the name of the book the island of the four p's a modern fable about preparing for your future by, uh, Ed Hagem. What a life. What an experience. Uh, hey, thanks so much for being with us and good luck with the book.
1: Oh, uh, Greg, thanks for having me. You have a great day, alright?
0: You bet, you bet. Take care.